Podcast ain't play nobody. Your college football marriage of numbers and words. I am Bill Connolly, uh, and with me this week we have another guest host. Stephen Godfrey is still on double super secret mission at the moment. We'll call it a mission. That sounds kind of cool. Um, and so uh, I am uh, happy to bring back as a guest host Matt Brown. This is your, I believe, third time on here. Is that? Yeah, that that, that, that sounds about right. Sounds about right. Third, maybe fourth, but I guess third probably. Um, and I figured it would be nice, not that I saw this coming at all, but yesterday uh, as uh, Ohio State uh, absolutely destroyed Michigan State and made me realize that in my own S&P Plus rankings, which love Ohio State, have an undying devotion for Ohio State, had a pretty good feeling Ohio State would end up at number one again. And spoilers, they did. So why not bring on an Ohio State guy um, for this specific episode? I, I, it, it, yeah, it, it makes it makes perfect sense to me. This is the most important team in the country. It's the team that everyone absolutely always wants to talk about, especially Ohio State fans <laughs> who are more than happy to just barrel into what any other unrelated conversation to remind you uh, that Ohio State's pretty good, <laughs> or just that they that they exist, yeah. and that's really yeah. Um, all right, so what we'll do here, we'll start at number twenty. Let's see, uh, we can we can start at thirty real quick, and we'll go pretty fast because we have some. Um, some things to talk about within the top 10, especially as we, as the weeks begin to count down in the top 10 uh, and the best teams in the one and two and zero loss teams all become much more interesting and, and important. Uh, we'll stop, start at number 30. No, we're going to start at number 31 because Arizona is up to number 31 in the S and P plus rankings this week. Uh, did not see that coming. They bounced back after falling a little bit from uh, against USC, but they are, Rich Rodriguez has gotten himself completely off the hot seat, and I am very impressed. But uh, so that's 31. 30 is Memphis. They stayed the same. Wake Forest uh, moved up to 29 for pulling away from Syracuse at the end. And, and real quick, by scoring like 64 points, like I feel like that game turned every stereotype of Wake Forest football that you might have had over the past couple of years completely on its offense. It was an ACC basketball score. <laughs> Claw fence is back. Mm-hmm. Get excited. Uh, um, so, yeah, and I mean, they really, uh, Wolford has been, I mean, this is kind of the, how you always envision a youth movement going, because uh, he was thrown to the wolves really, really early. Um, like that, that, that whole first class and offense was like all freshmen, pretty much. They were probably the worst uh, offense of the decade, I think. Yeah. Um, but all that experience and continuity and Walford, uh, just taking like a, a senior year surge here. It's been very impressive to see that all come together. Uh, number 28 Toledo drops nine spots, um, for getting whomped by Ohio. And you might think they should have dropped more, but hold that thought for just a second. Uh, when you lose to a top 20 team, it's hard to drop too far. <clears throat> Spoilers. 27, Boise State falls two spots, basically stays the same after getting by Colorado State in overtime. Stanford uh, does not rise for beating Washington, strangely enough. Uh, they stay exactly the same. Arkansas State falls a couple spots to 25. I definitely expected them to fall a little bit more, but it is pretty hard to fall uh, too many spots at this time of the year with a bunch of data involved. Uh, Virginia Tech falls from 18th to 24th. They managed to fall a decent amount for uh, messing around and losing to Georgia Tech. Fresno State, up four spots from 27th to 23rd. Uh, Jeff Tedford, his Bulldogs are 7-3 and three now and have looked very, very good for much of the year. Uh, LSU, number 22, up seven spots from last week. Uh, Washington State, number 21, down one spot from last week. Basically stayed the same after beating Utah. And 
Frank Solich's Ohio Bobcats, number 20 with a bullet, up from 28th. Uh, I mentioned them on the midweek show that they were 28th, that they had been doing really, really well, and they were um, holding steady for the most part. They had surged over the last few weeks, and then they went out and destroyed a good Toledo team. Uh, do you feel any, as an Ohio State fan, uh, who, who, you know, who therefore likes to insert Ohio State into these conversations, sure. Um, what, what residual feelings do you have of admiration for the Ohio Bobcats? You know, um, there, there's certainly no dislike. I, I think Ohio is the closest school geographically to, to Columbus among the other FBS programs. Um, you know, most of us went to schools, most Ohio State students went to schools that sent a lot of kids to Ohio. Uh, and Athens is a, probably the most fun place to go uh, in, in the in the Mac, both if you like hiking or if you like other, uh, you know, adult beverage consumption. But it, it's never been a school that in my lifetime, I can ever remember being really good at football. I know like they, they knocked off Penn State, like the one, one of the scandal years. And that, that was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they've been able to do over the last several years and peaking this year of all years is extremely impressive because isn't so much like 73 years old. Um, uh, 74, yeah, I believe, really as a matter old. of fact. And it's not like Ohio recruits extremely well, even for a MAC program. I realize that the difference between like the yeah. third best and the seventh best isn't you know enormous, but they're they're not bringing in the same guys that Toledo or um, you know Western Michigan are, are bringing in here. So you know, oh, you know, I, it, it's it's super exciting for them. Uh, I'm happy for them, and I hope they lose by 40 points if they ever play Ohio State. Uh, you are actually correct. Uh, he, he is 73. He just turned 73 uh, in September. So I was t- treating him like he was Bill Snyder or something. 73 is definitely not 74. Um, and just a, what a freaking job he has done. I mean, it really is, uh, you know, as I always like to point out, uh, Jim Grobe got the Wake Forest job by basically being 500 at Ohio. That's how hard it was to go 500 at Ohio. Um, and he he takes over in 05 has one iffy year, goes four and seven, wins the division in his second year, wins the division in his fifth, in his seventh year. Uh, they start to trail off a little bit. They have a, they fall into kind of a seven and six, six and six rut for a little while there. Uh, they come back to tie the, for the division title last year, uh, and now they are they, – they can still screw up if they lose. I think they play Akron on yeah. Tuesday. And if they, um, if they, it's in Akron, if they somehow mess around and lose that game, despite the fact that they're much better than Akron, it wouldn't be unheard of for Maction to claim a uh, victim. If they win that game, they're the Mackey's champion. And, you know, honestly, at this point, Toledo's still very, very good, obviously. But at this point, you almost have to make them the Mac title game favorites. And it would be an incredible, not only has he done what he has done, he's won 96 games now at Ohio, um, 154 overall, by the way. Uh, and and I, li- I would like to, you know, you know, stick the needle uh, in into, you know, the arm of a Nebraska fan and point out how, how uh, you know, how well Frank Solich is doing, uh, but no, it's it's a crazy job. I really hope they beat Akron and get to that title game and see if they can win one for him uh, in his what thirteenth year in in Athens. It's absolutely yeah. Nice. I, it, it's it's wild in general to see a coach stay in one place for for that long, you know. And yeah. it's, it's especially weird for a program at that level because you know if you're in Ohio, if you're kind of in the middle to lower tier of the MAC, you know you. Be, having continuity is impossible because like your margin of error between like an eight win team and, you know, a couple of bad injuries. And now you, you win four games is so yeah. small. And, and like this Ohio team's fun. They have like three different guys that have run the ball for over 600 yards. I think they, they dropped like 400 yards rushing on Toledo. They're explosive. They've got cool uniforms. Like, yeah. I, you know, 
by all means, like buy, buy stock on the Bobcats. They're, they're fun. Athens is fun. <laughs> yeah. And they really have like, they, you know, they've crushed teams over the last month too. Like they have not been messing around. They slipped up against central Michigan uh, and they have just been dominant ever since. As I've said many times, like my, my ratings, one of the offshoot of the way I do them or one of the side effects of the, of the way I do them is they reward dominance. And that's how Ohio has gotten to where they are. Uh, they, they've been dominating. Uh, they are not, they have not been dominated quite as much as the number 19 team. However, uh, Lane Kiffin's Florida Atlantic Owls uh, are up five spots from 24th to 19th. Mississippi State uh, falls two spots somehow uh, for, for nearly beating uh, Alabama. There are a lot of teams. If you look at the ratings of all, there are a lot of teams in a packed together in a very tight space here. I, I, Ohio's at plus 9.1, which means they're 9.1 points better than average. Florida Atlantic's 9.4. Mississippi State's 9.7. Number 17, USC is 9.9. Uh, so they're all, they're all very, very close here. Um, but yeah, USC's 17, Michigan 16. USF uh, seems to have, hit, has, have a little ceiling attached. Uh, they, they seem to be to really like that number 15 spot. Um, and we'll stop right there because uh, the next two teams are pretty interesting uh, and fell a lot. So um, of that 15 to, to 19 little cluster there, uh, Michigan, I think, is kind of an interesting story right now with the way with what they've done over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the Michigan Internet was really uneasy, I feel like, over over the last month. Um, and now that Michigan's made a change at quarterback and you're starting to see uh, some of, of their, their youth, you know, we have to remind everybody here that like they, they lost basically everybody from last season. If you haven't watched a lot of Michigan football and they've, they've had some injuries on the offensive side of the ball, forcing them to be a little bit even younger. Um, mm. But you bring in Brandon Peters, who was this, this really well-regarded quarterback prospect and, and has been in the program for a little while. And now, you know, it's, it's not like they've become um, – you know, central Florida's explosiveness or anything, or this Oklahoma or anything, but like their, their offense is starting to catch up to their defense a little bit. And they've got a chance to really insert themselves in a big way in the national conversation because they've got two gigantic games left. And I think that they are, they are capable of winning both of them. Yes. Yeah. No, Wisconsin fans. Well, I mean, at this point, I don't know if Wisconsin fans have reason to be too afraid of anything. They, they know they probably understand as well as any fan base, their, their own team's strengths and limitations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've also gotten kind of used to falling behind or, or playing pretty even early for a quarter or two. And then just simply, you know, laying the hammer down. Uh, it's going to be a lot harder to do that against Michigan, this Michigan, uh, you know, that can t- potentially score into the twenties at least, uh, <laughs> against Wisconsin. That's a, pr- that's a rarity for the most part. Um, but you know, Wisconsin, by the way, spoiler, uh, number one in defensive S and P plus at the moment, I'm impressed with that. Um, but they have a few more things to stop now on that Michigan team than they did uh, even like three weeks ago. And, and it really was confused. This just makes it more confusing. I know we don't see practices. We don't know see how guys are uh, throughout the rest of the year. We only see them on Saturdays. I still have really no concept for why Brandon Peters was behind John O'Corn on the depth chart to begin with. But yeah, I was, I was, I was surprised by that too. I know that. And I think the, the, state of Michigan state's offensive line were the, were the two bigger questions yeah. for me about their program. Like I would have thought that by, at this point into Harbaugh, it would be a little bit more consistent or a little bit more of a strength of a unit. But now that they have the right guy in there, um, it's, this is a more dynamic, dangerous team. They can certainly run the football. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, no, good team. They, they are peaking at just the time to, to wreck somebody's season here. So, um, n- number 14, 
your Notre Dame Fighting Irish fell seven spots, uh, which is hard to do. These teams are pretty clustered together, but they fell a lot uh, for getting absolutely rocked by Miami. Uh, number 13 TCU, meanwhile, fell five spots for losing for not getting rocked to the same degree against Oklahoma, uh, but still losing by 18. Like it, it kind of, oh, you built that cushion early and TCU couldn't do a single thing about it. And um, so they both kind of fall to the bottom of this. Two, two, we have kind of a large pack of two lost teams here in this little section. Um, and, and it continues as we move up. TCU is 13. Oklahoma State is 12th at, at eight and two. And so, yeah, TCU and Notre Dame had to kind of fall back in line there a little bit. But Oklahoma State does survive, gets to 12, uh, moves up a spot uh, to 12th after beating Iowa State, which, you know, sur- quote unquote, surviving Iowa State in Ames uh, is is saying that it's far more impressive than it used to be. Um, number 11, Clemson moves up one spot for, uh, doing, uh, once again, waiting as long as possible to hit the gas and then hitting the gas and beating Florida state comfortably. Oklahoma moves up four spots from 14th to 10th, uh, with their win over TCU. So the, the TCU and OU basically just kind of switched places for the most part. And I guess from a, if you, if you enjoy the transitive property, that kind of makes sense. How much of the OU TCU game did you get to watch? I watched, uh, I, I watched a little bit of the first half. You know, there, there were so many gigantic games going on. It was, it was yeah. hard to focus. And I was watching Miami Notre Dame a little bit closer, but I'm, I'm really impressed. It, it makes sense to me that Oklahoma might be a little bit farther down and you're math just because the, the middle part of the season still matters and we, we yeah. all got to watch Oklahoma kind of mess around and struggle with really inferior teams w- within the conference but their offense is, is just functioning in all cylinders right now their their defense is, looks substantially better than, than it has the past couple of weeks and right now they have the the by far I think the the Heisman Heisman uh, favorite yeah. so now, now now the big question is just going to be is the big 12 going to outthink itself by putting in a conference championship game right at a time when they could have a really good team that could win a national title and could also knock itself out of contention entirely because i would imagine a rematch of that game would be a little bit closer yeah i mean yeah give gary patterson a second shot at you that doesn't really seem like a good way to uh uh, to go about life, but no, I mean, like even Barry Switzer this morning, I saw on Twitter, he, he, he basically tweeted the same thing. Like this is the big 12. I, we've said it a million times. The big 12 should know as, as well as anybody, how much a conference title game can screw your title favorite. Uh, and they decided because of one particular instance, uh, one year where they didn't have a title game and somebody else did. And that team managed to hop their champion and make the college football playoff. Uh, because it, it, not having one cost them once, it's it, they they went all in on a on a on a title game. And, and I mean, look, if Oklahoma wins if they play like they did the last two yeah. weeks. They'll have a very good shot at at beating TCU. Obviously, or TCU, Oklahoma State, whoever it ends up being, there's still we have, there's a lot of shaking out still to do. Technically, it could still be West Virginia as well. But um, man, they just yeah the, they they. Uh, their that offense is just at a different level right now. TCU had a top five defense per my S and P plus numbers. Uh, and they put up whatever it was, 30, 38 points at halftime. I think. Yeah. They, uh, absolutely they ridiculous. They had, they had, there was they had nothing, nothing they could do. So moving on number nine, Miami. Um, it's funny when, when there's a result like this, uh, you know, when, when two teams play each other, there's a big lopsided result. Sometimes both teams move up or down and kind of like incongruity with each other. And then sometimes one team moves far more than the other. Uh, Miami's went over Notre Dame. Apparently S and P was very, uh, just did not like what Notre Dame did. Uh, Miami moved up two spots. Notre Dame fell seven. Uh, but regardless, Miami is in the top 10. Uh, they are like Oklahoma, 
Oklahoma. They're a team that looked spectacular at the very, very beginning of the year. Uh, they then kind of sat back, got a little lucky, uh, and, and Oklahoma State's uh, case didn't get lucky. They, they dropped a game. Uh, Miami probably should have dropped either the Florida State or North Carolina game, survived them both, hit November, and has looked absolutely spectacular for two straight weeks. Uh, I could not be more impressed with what Mark Richt has done there and the way that they're still improving, I think. Um, I, you know, Miami fans have been very happy to uh, remind me of the piece I wrote on Friday about Josh Adams versus Miami's poor run defense. Uh, and I, you know, I welcome it. I, I earned it. Uh, but Miami is improving rapidly and it's just kind of terrifying here. I mean, yeah, that, that, that's part of the gig, right? I tweeted that I thought Michigan State was going to beat Ohio State in a close game. And uh, I've been reminded of that tweet several times. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the game, the game, the game's the game. But uh, I was extremely impressed with Miami. Like their, def- their defensive line is terrifying. Um, yep. And, you know, I, you know, you and you know, as well as anybody that on some level, there's there's some luck that, that goes in with, with turnover margin and turnover generation. But uh, the way that Miami is playing is cer- certainly in- you know, increases their ability to generate those. And if you're able to just completely overwhelm somebody at the point of attack, um, you have a, a pretty wide latitude to, to do things with your offense. Like I, I would not want to be playing Miami right now. I don't know if their res- no. the resume is certainly not one of the best despite an unblemished record, but they're playing some of the best football of anybody that I've watched this year. Yeah, and and if they went out, it just nothing else matters. It doesn't, you know, however they looked, wherever they're graded out. If they peak now and they uh, continue to play like this, and they roll on through Clemson among others, uh, then they are they will end up in the top four, and they will probably end up in the top four of the rate of, of, of like my ratings too. Yeah. So uh, just keep it up. Number eight, Penn State moves up two spots for basically taking the first quarter off against Rutgers and then doing whatever the heck they wanted to Rutgers after that. Uh, number seven, uh, moving down three spots is the is Georgia uh, for getting hammered. This was a perfect. I love this. This was like a um, S and P making like a little manual adjustment, like we see in the uh, CFP committee. Uh, basically, Auburn was ninth, Georgia was fourth, and then they basically got mashed together. They have the same record, and Auburn uh, is sixth by decimal points, just ahead of the team they just dominated. I like it when that happens. I hate it when the opposite happens. Um, Yes, Georgia seven, Auburn six, UCF remains fifth. They have not been quite as sharp the last couple of weeks. I think they probably peaked a while ago, but they're just going to continue to right, roll on right through to uh, the USF game. Uh, and they're better than USF probably. And, and they are just staring right in the face of a nice Fiesta Bowl bid while they never move higher than like 15th or 16th even in the CFP rankings. And no, I don't still uh, hold harbor a grudge about that from Wednesday's show. Number four, Washington only moves down one spot for losing to Stanford. And as we saw, Stanford didn't move up. So uh, without diving in further just yet, I'm pretty sure that means uh, uh, that uh, the the, the post-game win probability or the post-game win expectancy for this game when I get it up will be kind of in Washington's favor or close to it. It didn't seem to be real convinced that Stanford was the better team there. Number three, Wisconsin moves up three spots from sixth to third for pummeling the team that just beat Ohio State. They, what do you say about Wisconsin at this point? They, they they are so incredibly Wisconsin, and they're so good at it, and they're so good at tilting the field and eventually just plowing over you. I, I know, like nothing about like you know, I I love looking at spreadsheets to try and and gain insights on on how some of these teams tick, and so much of how Wisconsin ticks doesn't seem like it should make sense. Like they they lose defensive starters and 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 get injuries fairly regularly they just plug people yeah. in there and you know the, the latest walk-on they grab from stevens point and and is amazing <laughs> they have a quarterback who 
I think has a little bit of a higher upside than maybe the last Wisconsin quarterbacks have seen over the past couple of years, but certainly can be goaded into making big mistakes um, as, as Iowa turned mm-hmm. points. Um, and then, but they they just destroy people in, in the second half with, with their ability to just not make any mistakes on defense. Um, yeah. And you can look at these box scores and I've watched a fair amount of Wisconsin and they often don't look that impressive. And then you, you, you kind of turn your, your, you know, you look at a couple of the games, you come back and they won by 28. Um, I I know most people aren't going to give them a chance against Ohio state, but that's absolutely a game they can win. Yeah. I mean, I, Ohio state is built around efficiency, 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 and Wisconsin is built around taking away your efficiency. Uh, it's, that really is going to be a game of like, who's getting six yards on first down versus who's getting four. And over time, uh, that will probably add up and make the difference in the game, but they are just, uh, they, they are a really interesting combination heading into last week. I haven't updated these rankings yet, but they were 12th in defensive success rate. Um, they forced three and outs with the best of them. But if you ever do actually move the ball a little bit on, they're also fifth in, um, in finishing drives on defense. They do not give you touchdowns, even if you actually move the ball. So uh, just really, just, even if you defeat them, it's just going to, it's not going to be any fun. It's not going to be any fun at all to, to even beat Wisconsin. Um and they've, they, they, I really can't, I will say though, and I put this in the, uh, SB nation post that went up with my SB, uh, S&P plus rankings earlier today. This is a situation where the, 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 the playing field has a lot fewer elite teams on it this year. Uh, right now, after, after 10 games, Ohio state would have ranked six with their, with their current S and P plus rating. They would have ranked sixth at this point last year. Uh, Alabama would have been seventh at this point last year with this team and Wisconsin would have been 11th. So it's not, we're not, I, you know, yes, they're a top three team. Yes. They have a very, very good shot. We're not talking about like Alabama level dominance or anything like previous Alabama, I should say, but they're just, I mean, everybody else has fallen by the wayside. Everybody else has, has shown a really a lower ceiling than I think we're used to seeing. Wisconsin's ceiling might be the high, or excuse me, lower floor. Yeah. Wisconsin's floor might be the highest in college football. You you know what they're going to deliver when they show up on Saturdays. There, there's one other thing here about Wisconsin, and I know Wisconsin fans hate hearing about this kind of thing, but because Bud Elliott isn't here, I do feel like I should I should mention this. I don't think that they've faced a team so far this year that has um, superior or even necessarily equal talent level. If you look at how, right. I mean, Wisconsin isn't a team that recruits in the top 20 every year, but there, there are some blue chip kids Like they're starting a blue chip wide receiver. And, and, and it's they're They're not like, you know, this isn't like an Illinois squad, but that, you know, their, their not conference schedule was a not very good Utah state team FAU, which is, Turned out to be great. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that that's, it's, there's not, there's not like a ton of NFL talent on that. Team. No. And then the worst BYU team since 1968 and one that I don't <laughs> think has a single NFL caliber player on its offense, like not even a practice squad player. So that's, that's going to change when they face Michigan. They'll, they'll be facing people who are inexperienced, uh, who don't operate on the same level of efficiency uh, that Wisconsin does, but they're going to be guys that are going to be bigger and run faster. And they're going to see that in the Big Ten championship game, too. I'm sure they're going to respond well, but that that's just something that hasn't been a part uh, of the schedule yet, except for maybe Nebraska. And, and that's kind of a, a different level of dumpster fire. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I mean, last year, this is basically the same defense that took the field last year for Wisconsin in terms of success rate and, and finishing drives and all that stuff. The numbers are almost identical. Uh, but then, yeah, they faced 
really the only teams last year that they faced that had a, that superior athleticism. They did handle Ohio State pretty well. They ended up losing and giving up 30 points, but they still kind of contained that team pretty well. Uh, they could not contain Penn State in the end, and Penn State's big playability became too much. Now, I, Michigan, even in their improved state, doesn't necessarily have that. It isn't Penn State 2016 by any means. Um, but they really, yeah, the Michigan is the only team on the schedule that has, that has superior quote unquote athletes and, and we'll see what that does. I uh, don't know for sure what that'll do, but it might do something. It, it, uh, it might not mean anything, but it, it, yeah. it, it is at least worth noting, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, number two, your Alabama Crimson Tide. I, as soon as Ohio State did what it did to Michigan State, and I knew that they were going to rise in the uh, S&P rankings, I, I, I really wanted Alabama to either beat Mississippi State by 65 points <laughs> or lose. You know, either one of those happens, and, and I'm in pretty good shape with, uh, you know, with people looking at with people not necessarily yelling at me a whole lot for how good Ohio state was going to grade out. Instead, it was the exact worst case scenario where Alabama wins and remains undefeated, but tries, thinks really, really hard about losing uh, Mississippi state did a really nice job of matching them physically. That's something Mississippi state uh, has done to everybody this year, except Auburn for whatever reason, that game got completely out of their hands, which by the way, Auburn and Alabama play in a couple weeks. Hmm. Um, Auburn looked spectacular, but Alabama just kind of they, they they had they gifted Mississippi State a couple uh, you know some points early and they and they kept responding like they'd give Mississippi State a touchdown and then they'd go down and relax and score and then that happened a couple times then when Mississippi State stopped scoring Alabama stopped scoring it was a weird little back and forth game state kind of game uh, but they almost uh, went ahead late and they they played a perfect last drive uh, simplified everything made, it gave Hurts some uh, really nice uh, throws to make and he made them and they scored and they won the game and power to them but uh, yeah this is not last year's Alabama team this is not the best defense in the country it almost is but they're not necessarily they're just not as dominant as they were those two weeks against Vanderbilt and Ole Miss aside um, and so they would be merely about number seven at this point last year. They're number two and number one, of course, uh, your Ohio state Buckeyes. So, I guess, let me, where, hmm, I don't even know what question to present to you. I, I've, <laughs> I, I've laid out as much as possible. My thoughts on why Ohio state is is where they are in these rankings that that was terrible verb usage i think no but, um, it, it it makes sense and uh, i think we actually shared something to this note on sb nation uh yesterday virtually every one of ohio state's games has been a blowout win yeah. um, and that you know there are three glaring exceptions one of them was a glorious comeback against a, a good but maybe not quite as good as we thought uh penn state team but those losses were really bad like it, it, it's yeah. not like ohio state you know went into a rainstorm and lost by two to Michigan state, which has been like what every other Michigan state game has been <laughs> past like six years. They got, they got completely trucked um, by Oklahoma, which is I guess defensible and Iowa, which is not defensible. No, that, there no. hasn't been an Ohio state loss like that since I was like six years old and I'm 30, um, which is really maddening if you're an Ohio state fan. And then you watch a game like Michigan state where Ohio state completely physically overwhelmed, uh, a good rushing defense. Like you can say what you will about Michigan state. Like I thought they were a little bit overrated. You know, they, their, their two big wins yes. came in no small part due to um, thunderstorms, thunderstorms and good, good bounces in those. Yeah, they, 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 they got a little bit lucky, but like, still, this is a team that like a lot of people thought was going to suck. 
uh, and now they're going to win seven and eight games. Yeah. And, and that's and they do have a very good rush defense. And the Buckeyes just r- ran the ball all over them. And they've been doing yeah. what Ohio State Twitter has basically been screaming for the last <laughs> Just run the dang ball. You have two amazing, healthy running backs. Uh, and you have a quarterback who's really good at distributing and is not somebody you want to give 15 carries. So stop giving him 15 carries. And Ohio State yeah. read your tweets, and they won by a gajillion points. <laughs> yeah, the, and the other point that I because I have just I, I obsess over things like this because I know how they come across. Um, believe it or not, to the to the uh, people who follow me on Twitter and think that I just you know every thought I have is generated by what S and P says. Um, I mean, I, the the best way I can describe uh, why Ohio State's number one. No, first of all, is what I said earlier about there no not being any other t- top teams, but somebody has to be ranked number one. Uh, but the other part is that. On average, S&P has actually underestimated Ohio State by about three points per game, which is hilarious. <laughs> I mean, Vegas has liked uh, Ohio State even more than S&P does. And, you know, but basically you've got the Oklahoma game where S&P was 21 points off, uh, projected a six-point win. They lost by 15. And the, and the Iowa game where it, it projected a 16-point win and they lost by 31. So, wow, those, that was terrible. 68 points. They are clearly overrated, except they overachieved by 11 points versus the projection against Indiana, by 31 points against Rutgers, by 22 points against Maryland, by 20 points against uh, Nebraska, and by 32 points, 31 and a half points uh, against Michigan State the other day. They are, they're basically smack dab in the middle of where their projections, like their, their range of outcomes has been. Uh, they're really good. They're really good. The Iowa game just gets more confusing now that we saw what they did against Michigan State. Uh, but they're, this is a tremendous team, and if they get into the playoff, which could absolutely happen, but it might not, but could happen, um, they're going to be dangerous as hell if they get there. Yeah, um, they, they could potentially win the national title. They could end up in the Fiesta Bowl and you know beat somebody like Central Florida or Auburn by like 40 points. Because uh, this is another team that's loaded with NFL talent. They're experienced. They need to be experienced. There, there's been some, I think, more defensive glitches than you might have expected this year. I mean, mm. Michigan, they were losing their top two linebackers uh, against um, Michigan State and, yeah. and and still obliterated them. So maybe, maybe that, that means Urban Meyer has some, some depth chart questions to answer there because that's been a unit that's been a little bit disappointing. Um, and it's, it's always kind of the, 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 the weird thing that you can't account for on spreadsheets or just like how dialed in are the coaches and the players going to be on that particular day. And that can be frustrating if you like Ohio state, because talent wise, they're up there with better than anybody in the country, except for Alabama. But in terms of that coaching and, or that, that, that internal discipline mindset uh, is not always there. And that's why you have uh, a weird, weird hiccup. We'll see this year if it matters or not. Yeah. It, I mean, it very much could, but it might not. Uh, a couple of questions on Twitter, and then we'll go. Um, number one is from our friend Finn Cooley, at Finn Cooley16. Uh, he said, what is the playoff committee's absolute worst nightmare over the next three weeks? I feel like the worst nightmare would be having to substantially acknowledge the fact that Central Florida exists and is a good football team. Um, Except we know they're not going to do it. So, well, well, well so like right, right now they can't. And despite all of the crazy amount of chaos that's happening, including like a, a very good chance that a team of two losses makes the playoff, which would have seemed like unthinkable maybe two years ago. But yeah. probably like another three or four crazy amount of upsets for them to actually have to think about. Like, we can't put a three loss team in there, right? Like, we, <laughs> we actually have to talk about uh, Central Florida, especially if they end up winning the American by like a, a healthy margin. Yeah. Um, 
That's for a lot of other big picture reasons. I'm sure they don't want to do that. They probably won't have to do that. Um, but that would be difficult. Yeah, I think that's probably a good. Uh, I mean, it's I. It, it's still just really, really, really annoying that they that we already know that unless you're talking about th- a bunch of three loss teams, their ceiling is like 15th no matter how they play. That's incredibly, ridiculously unfair. It's not like they chose to be in the AAC. If you invited them into the ACC, I'm pretty sure they would accept it, yeah. uh, and they would have a much tougher schedule. And they uh, didn't but yeah, to have a hurricane mess up their schedule either. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah it's it's, it's rotten luck and, and and maybe that's something that we we kind of dig into in a more substantial way this off season uh, to to make this a little bit more equitable. But like if if you are a UCF fan and you are mad online, I think you have allies within the both of us. Like, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what other the, the a couple of losses this last week kind of cleared up uh, some of the potential nightmare scenarios. Uh, but cause I'm trying to think of like how many one loss teams could we still have? Like where you're trying to choose four from a, like a group of seven that really aren't we have like Georgia with the loss. We've got Alabama undefeated, but then Notre Dame lost its second Oklahoma and Clemson are still at one loss. And that's pretty much it. I mean, Miami, Wisconsin, I'm trying to think here if Miami loses, but beats Clemson to finish it at whatever they would be 11 and one, uh, Wisconsin loses to Michigan and then beats Ohio State, and they they have one loss. Let's say oh, Georgia beats Alabama, so they both have one loss. Uh, Oklahoma has a loss. That's five, but that's still not that far out of the realm of of the norm. Well, so, well, South Florida, they've got one loss. Here we're out here disrespecting <laughs> the Bulls. So okay, well, I, in our little universe, I'm I'm more than happy to acknowledge that. Um, <laughs> What is your uh, it, well? See, this is when Godfrey and I do this. It's pretty easy because our teams aren't involved. He well, insists that he doesn't have a team, and my team is definitely on the rise, look, but not look, a playoff look, that's, contender. Baloney. Look, he, he's not here. You and I. We, let's, let's admit this to the public. Godfrey's <laughs> team is Wyoming. We all know that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He he and he acknowledges that too. I, I like to give him crap about being a quote unquote old Miss Homer, but he he is clearly a Wyoming Homer, and he acknowledges it. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, in terms of fun, let's say that Ohio State isn't an option for the playoff in the at the end of the day. In terms of a fun fourteen playoff, what's the most fun thing that you can come up with? Okay, well, the most fun thing, I you know, I don't think Alabama's fun at all, but it, it seems hard to concoct a scenario at this point, realistically, where 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 they're not they're not in it. I, although I think Auburn's a lot more fun. You know, Auburn upsetting them, Auburn beating Georgia, like that's fun. Miami is fun. Oklahoma is fun. Um, and I actually, I think getting Wisconsin in there just as a, as a completely against type, as a contrast, as a contrast yeah. to some of those, like a, a Miami Wisconsin championship game in terms of raw football aesthetics might not necessarily oh, be man. the most fun, but in terms of like fan base and culture and like everything else clashes, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. Actually, yeah, I mean, uh, the the easy answer for me remains Miami versus Georgia, uh, for obvious reasons. Yeah, but yeah, fun. like the thought of uh, like a Miami, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, ooh, Oklahoma, Miami, Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Auburn. Yeah, that that, that that'd be a blast. I'd love I'd love to see I Miami mean, play Oklahoma too. To be honest, I'd love to see you yeah. know, Miami's defensive line up against you know against Oklahoma and and Baker Mayfield running around for his life. Like that'd be that'd be great. I'd, I'd 
And I, and I would easily write at least 5,000 words about the Oklahoma-Miami games of the 1980s as well. So you'd have that to look forward to. Please, please, please do. You, you'll be... <laughs> All right. Well, we are. We are in your book. Huh? Is, there's a, is there a chapter on one of those teams in your book? The ninety, the nineteen eighty eight Miami Hurricanes are in that book, and the nineteen eighty five Oklahoma Sooners are in that book. So this is uh, this is familiar territory right here. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we're gonna we're gonna stop there. That was uh, we we go way over. See, like Godfrey and I have this old twenty five minute rhythm down. Uh, but when I bring somebody new or new ish uh, onto the show, we just have stuff to talk about. You know, it's just new and different, yeah. and fresh, and we go way over time. So uh, I do appreciate uh, Matt Brown coming on. If you have not yet done so, and I assume you have, uh, please buy his book uh, "What If," released in July. Um, available on Amazon.com. Or do you have any? Uh, you're you're going out and doing like book signings and stuff. Yeah, right? I'm going on tour this week. So if you are in New York City, uh, I'm going to be in Manhattan on Tuesday. I'm doing an event with the Ohio State Alumni Club there, but it's open to the public. Um, you can get details at Matt SBN on Twitter. And if you are in Columbus, I will be at the Book Loft on Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, doing a signing. I'll be there with some land grant Holy land pals and some, and some other people that's also free. Um, and come, come on, come by and say hi if you're in the area and hopefully I'll be uh, on the road again in early next year. Boom. Wow. That's uh, I, I, I'm apparently too lazy for that. I can't really, uh, I brought some books to New York when we went last March. <laughs> that was about as, as close as I got, but yes, reward him for that. Go out and buy his book. If you haven't already go meet him. If you live in Columbus or, or New York, you will have a very good time. Uh, and he just gave it away too. his Twitter handle is at Matt SBN. I am at SBN underscore bill C. Uh, I will be back on Wednesday uh, for our midweek PAPN with another uh, guest host from the SB nation universe. Uh, if you're just, if you're, you know, if you have your bingo card, you can probably eliminate, you know, you can probably start to figure out who I'm probably going to invite on at this point, but regardless, um, I thanks a lot for coming on, Matt. Uh, yeah, no problem. Anytime, my man. All right. See you guys.